All right, everybody. Welcome back. Best hour of their day. Uh, today's going to be probably pretty similar to the, the conversation I had uh, maybe about a week ago, 10 days ago with Nick Spagnol about uh, if you want to go back and listen to that episode, because I thought it was actually a really good episode about buying a gym. Um, I'm here with a buddy of mine, Cody Bradburn, who owns uh, Mountain, Mountain Island. Did I? Yeah, Mountain Island CrossFit in kind of like right outside of what's is it fair to say right outside of Charlotte? Yeah, yeah, we're Charlotte. We're in Charlotte. Yeah, okay. Yeah, I wasn't sure if it was like in the border or not. But funny story. Cody and I did not meet via CrossFit. No, dude. (laughs) (laughs) We met at my cousin's wedding. Yeah. And because uh, Eddie owned. um, That's right. uh, Hendersonville. No. Huntersville. Huntersville at the time, uh, CrossFit. And so my wife and I were showing up there and my cousin was just like, we put you guys at the same table because you guys do CrossFit and we figured you guys could talk to each other, uh, which is a safe, which is a safe bet. So are you, are you Lindsay's cousin or Eddie's cousin? Lindsay's. Yeah. So Lindsay's my cousin. So Lindsay, Kaylee and Sophie. Yeah. yeah. So, um, and so, and then uh, Kaylee just got engaged. So, uh, yeah. Um, so that's actually where Cody and I met. And then we've just, you know, kind of kept up with each other, been friends since then. Uh, but he reached out and he wanted to talk a little bit about kind of, uh, uh, well, actually won't steer your thunder, right? You kind of explain what it is that you want to discuss. Yeah, man. I mean, so I listen to all you guys' podcasts, listen to every single one you guys put out, you and Ackerman. Um, and one of the things, so I've been an affiliate owner for almost three years. So I've been doing CrossFit for close to 10 and coaching for close to eight. I got my level two last year. I'm kind of in preparation for my level three. But one thing that I've like, well, one of the things I'm like struggling with is trying to build a coaching team Mm -hmm. and specifically set up a team that wants to develop and like become like professional coaches and then have a staff that is built around like relationships and systems that are here long-term. Right. So I'm, I'm part of like two brain business. I build with yep. them, since, you know, I bought the affiliate essentially. And yeah, I was going to, I was going to bring that up cause I, I don't know if that's relevant or not, but I was going to bring it up later. Um, but you're still, you're still in the growth group, right? Yeah, for two brain, right? Okay. Um, so I feel like I do a lot of things with the affiliate, right. In the sense of like owning a business, but mm-hmm. there's definitely an area that I'm missing the mark. And as a leader, which I'm aware of, and I'm trying to understand and like wrap my head around, uh, to do a better job of it, but I feel like I'm missing the mark as a leader as far as like um, building a team that I have a relationship with. So like I've got a relationship with my coaches, I mean my, mm-hmm. my members, right? We have a community that's, that's getting you know stronger every day. But I don't know, man. I feel like the way that I approach coaches' development, some, somewhere I'm missing it because it's like the relationship strained, they take mm-hmm. it offensively. They don't, they don't see it as me having good intentions. And yep. it's just, uh, I, I want to be better about it. So I was hoping I could talk to you and get some, get some perspective from you. Yeah. So a, I, it sounds a little bit weird, but like, uh, you know, like I, I, I do want to like just straight up just commend you because I don't actually think most people would have the balls to have this conversation. And I commend you because having been around long enough, almost everybody feels like that at some point. Like nobody, nobody smashes it and they just have great coaches and they never have to fire anybody and everybody progresses through and has a fantastic career underneath their, underneath their roof. Uh, that's just not real life. 
So if somebody else is listening to this, you should absolutely know that this is a very real thing and not only common, but probably the norm, right? Which is kind of the point that we're trying to change. That being said, I don't claim to be an expert in this. I've gotten it wrong many, many, many times. And there are certain things that I think we get a little bit better at each year. Um, uh, so, you know, I, I do like to be very forthcoming about that. I'm not claiming to be like a team building expert or anything like that. Uh, there's some things I've learned in my time uh, playing athletics. There's some things I learned in my time at the Naval Academy, being a Naval officer, and then being a business owner, working in the nonprofit world. So a lot of probably what we'll discuss, I'll be pulling from those situations, uh, which are just my experiences. Like some of those are going to be fairly uh, universal. Some of them will be very unique. Um, so the first question I would have is give me a little bit more details about turnover, right? So you said you've had a lot of turnover in coaching staff. Like give me a little bit more context on that. So like whenever I first got the gym, I was like, I was obviously like owner operator. Like we all are when we first started yep. expenses. And then I was really far on that side and I had a couple coaches helping me part-time. Um, there, one, one guy was great. We were, we trained together. Um, that was the year I was trying to get ready for regionals. So we trained a lot together and we were close during that yep. time. And then once I finished regionals and I stopped training as much and got more into the business ownership, like, you know, mindset, we kind of went spread apart there. And then he was still in this place where he was trying to develop in his like professional life. So then yep. we separated in that way where, it just, it became strained because now it wasn't like friends and expectation. It, it was like boss employee expectations as far mm -hmm. as like delivering the service. And then there was this other girl that was helping me coach. And um, there was just a, a dynamic between us <clears throat> that was just got, got kind of weird and um, got strained as far as like personal relational stuff. Like, yep. uh, I don't want to get into deep. Yeah. yeah. I think we could all do, do some deductive reasoning and like figure that was, out. <laughs> it was kind of like a, a one-sided desire and it just wasn't going to work so we had to part ways there um and then so that was the first two coaches and then um sorry my page just popped up no, good. you're good so that was two and then i had another two friends come in and start helping me out and that was about you know six to eight months into owning the gym maybe closer to a year and um we were really good friends they were great there's these two girls um but that at that point i kind of got really heavily leveraged into this idea of like operator um or owner no no longer in the day-to-day -day operations so i went like really far to the right and stopped yep. classes stopped doing pt stopped delivering services started managing and leading yep. employees. um and then my overhead got so high for my payroll i was just every night like losing my sleep losing sleep trying to like pursue yeah. sales you know you i'm sure you've all been there um and then I couldn't justify being in the gym because I was paying someone to give me my time. So I was just trying to like do like higher level stuff outside of the gym. So I think that me not being present led to like some separation with those and with those coaches. Um, because it was all just like removed remote, like do mm -hmm. this, do this, do this. But that was, that was four that so there's four coaches and that they're since gone. Um, and then I had two members that were here when I bought the gym. So like whenever I bought this affiliate mm -hmm. years ago, there were a total of six paying customers, right? Um, six. Six. Like One, two, three, four, five, six. Six. <laughs> okay. Yeah, yeah. So I bought it. Um, it's with six people. Well, two of those original six became coaches. And I paid for the level ones, helped yep. develop them, um, brought in, you know, a really good friend of mine as a coach. And she was like a head coach for a while. 
um, helped me to train them and like bring them up to speak. She's been across for like 15 years. Um, so there's, those two guys were here. And then after about a year of coaching, set part of ways with them and that entire original crew that was here, just probably reasons you've experienced in the past, like, um, or you've heard of at least where like you have a group that's set, has expectations in like the old ways and then as the culture changes and the service changes as yep. the CrossFit gym changes, like they don't align and then they start getting kind of toxic and maybe they're not toxic, but the relationship becomes unhealthy. It's tough. Yeah. And we're actually going to bring on somebody, I think next week to, to talk about that very specific aspect of acquiring or taking over uh, another community, if you will. So, yeah. um, Okay, so what's that total number? Seven? Six. Six, okay. There's two more that I had on as part-time, seven, eight. And then one one guy, he's just trying to, like, figure out his life choices and his career. He's Got it. All these coaches, except for one, have been under 25. Okay. So, okay, so that's that's interesting because that means that they could or do have the opportunity to make this a career. It's not the other way where a lot of people are just like, listen, I got my full-time job. I'm not leaving my full-time job no, to do this. I've only had one guy that had a full-time job, and he's, okay. he's one of my better coaches. Cool. Um, yeah. So there's a couple of things there. Um, you know, two, I think Two Brain does a lot of things really well, but I do think this aspect of what they offer, uh, I do think there's a gap that exists there. Like, I think Chris has a, a fantastic vision, but I think if you were to kind of like, if, if I was to frame it pretty broadly, like it's business oriented. It is not, it isn't, I don't necessarily know that it is uh, adequate and I'd be curious to see what he thinks um, with regard to growing and building a professional team, coaching team. a coaching team. I do. I think there's some other people that are significantly better at that. Uh, I think Sean Pastuch is fantastic at that. Um, and so that I do think is just worth acknowledging, right? I'm not poo-pooing on two brain at all. Like I've mentioned oh, no, before, no, no. like I, I like, I did it, I've done it twice. Right. Yeah, so, right. um, great. so the, um, the other thing that's interesting that you brought up, which was the, you know, when you got in there, you went full working on the business, which is interesting because, um, I, uh, did a podcast with Mike McCallowitz recently, and we discussed that because I also made the same mistake when I read, I think it's when I read his book or maybe when I read E-Myth years ago, and he said the exact same thing. He said when he, so he's obviously very famous and, you know, in touch with people, but he said he talked to Michael Gerber, who is the, the author for E-Myth. And he asked him that. He said, do you have, if you could change anything about E-Myth or do you have any regrets about it? I don't remember what the specific question was, but that is exactly what Michael Gerber said. He says, he's like that, I, people misunderstood what I was trying to say when I was referring to working on the business. And many, many people will read that book or, or read some other things and do it prematurely. Now, Michael McCallowitz and Profit Purse first has some pretty specific metrics. And it, it, now it is industry dependent, but I think one of his is like, you know, not before a quarter of a million should you have another employee. Right. Right. Um, now, when we're talking about employee, we're talking about like probably a full time. Like a salaried like employee. A salaried employee. Uh, and, and, and this obviously has uh, is a sliding scale depending on where you are, what your overhead, rent, and all that stuff. So, uh, but it is a metric to it's out there. Um, and I too made that mistake, uh, and it didn't really go well because I got to work on the business. So there, you have to uh, you have to outline this 
there's this blending period and you, and generally the way, uh, at least in my experience, it's worked is that you have to be very cautious about what you choose to remove yourself from. Right. Right. Um, and my recommendation for the most part now, 10 years in, uh, and still learning new things every day is most people will start removing themselves from the service first, yeah. which in a lot of industries makes sense. In the coaching personal training industry, I don't actually know that that's the best idea. Right. You should probably hire for administrative services first because most people suck at that stuff. And this is, and I've talked about this at length, you know, if I could go back and start over, I would go the VA route. I would do a virtual assistant for some of these like small tasks. I would try to stay on the floor until I grew the business to a certain point. I would try to identify somewhere along the way where I could start to backfill a little bit, not totally, um, you know, because I don't actually plan on removing myself from coaching for a while, quite frankly, because I just like coaching, you know. Um, now, I'm trying to shore up different av or uh, different aspects of my coaching, you know, uh, full disclaimer, I don't really love or enjoy personal training. Do I think it's because I'm not a good personal trainer? Um, maybe, maybe not. I think it's probably cause I don't feel super comfortable personal training, right? I feel com- if you to throw 30 people in a class in a eight movement chipper, I'm like, let's do it. Like I'm fired up. All these people are going to get the 60 best 60 minutes ever. That's where I feel super confident one-on-one that dynamic changes, but that's neither here nor there. So I also made that same mistake and then had to go back in and rebuild it from, you know, from the bottom up essentially. That's not right now. Like the past three months, like, it kind of all happened with COVID. Like COVID was yeah. the catalyst for okay income. You know, gross. Yeah. So now I, I got to cut staff pay, unfortunately, and then that led to my fiance and I being back in the gym full time. And now, yeah, we're her and I are splitting. It's like I coach morning, you know, first half. She coaches second half of the day. We do PT and classes. Um, and then on top of that, we're trying to do all of our admin back and stuff as far as going to the gym. So, uh, yeah. So as far as that, like, you know, I would, cause you're back to basically a one man band. My immediate recommendation would just be, you know, try to outsource at minimal cost. Some of that administrative stuff that, that it's just, that's super important that needs to get done, but doesn't necessarily need you to do it. And there's a little bit of a learning curve. I think I'm three months. Uh, I think it's great. And, uh, and we're, I think probably by the end of August, we'll be in a real smooth kind of um because like every week uh she gets better um and i start to figure out what i can and can't give her um but like i mean if you want me to if if anybody's curious about that i've done we've talked about it in in multiple other podcasts with uh nathan holiday and matt albrizio so you go back and listen to those but so that's what i would do and then um so we've had we've had very little turnover here in 10 years uh i've i've terminated two coaches uh for cause in 10 years both of those were my fault in the sense that I let them skip some of the process. So I, I do not fault them. I fault, I fault myself. Um, but outside of that, I've only had turnover like when people pack up and, and leave. So, um, and the two that you fired, you fired because they skipped your, they, they actually skipped your internship process. Well, no, I, I, this, I didn't fire them because of that. But when I look at it, that was, there was a lot of red flags that came up along the way that I, that I basically ignored. Um, because I was just like, oh, we'll just, we'll push them through. It'll be fine. Uh, and not to say that like any internship is perfect. Like they're definitely not. Uh, but it should be designed to, to give you 
the information you need to say, mm, I'm not real sure about that. So it's neither here nor there. Um, I, I don't have any beef with either one of those people. You know, I wish them the best and I'd do anything for them, but you know, it was time, you know, um, outside of that, you know, where I think we, where we made, uh, a turn or a shift or, or started to kind of come around the bend a little bit initially, because I, I think there's multiple phases of this was when I got injured. So like 2012, I was training for regionals and got injured, blew my Achilles. So then I'm not training anymore. So now I have, now not only am I, not only am I not training, I can't do, I'm not super effective coaching because I'm in like this little knee wheel thing. And um, so I spent all of my time and effort uh, coaching them. And that was a super painful period because that was the first time I had really kind of put the screws on people and a lot of them were very resistant to it. And then everybody, it took, there was a breaking in period there where it was understood that this is not an attack on you personally, but where we're at currently is not acceptable and we need to move forward and progress. Um, and I did not do that very well at the beginning and I've gotten better at it over the years uh, with a lot of help from other people that have coached me on how to coach other people. So um, I, I would say that I've got a, a firm grasp of it, but I, I definitely would not put myself in the category of like Jedi master of developing coaches. I, I still feel as if I'm on the way. I just get a little bit better at it every year. Um, so there's a couple things I was writing down while you're talking, and, and this is not an all-inclusive list, but I would say that there's a couple of things that have to get checked if you're going to keep people on and keep a good relationship. Number one is there has to be very clear expectations about like what we're doing. What is your job? How are you supposed to do it? What are you being paid? Who do you answer to? And what is the expectation for doing the job to an, accept, to an acceptable level? That conversation for most CrossFit gyms is typically not done correctly. And usually if it is done correctly, it is very, very uncomfortable because it's me and my buddy, yeah. right? And now I have to tell my buddy, if you don't do X, Y happens, right. right? Like here's the repercussions for that, right? And I'm not saying it has to be this like harsh thing where I'm going to, you know, put you in the corner or something stupid like that. But um, that accountability piece typically doesn't exist between friends on a professional level. So you, there is a, there, there are some specific things that need to happen with regard to navigating that conversation. Um, the second thing is, and I believe this is in good to great is the concept of making sure people are in the right seats. And I've gotten this one wrong many, many, many times. And I only now feel like I'm starting to get to the point where I might be doing it correctly is putting people in the right seats and understanding that I have unfairly and selfishly burdened this person by with doing work that they are not good at and are setting, setting them up to fail. Right. So the prototypical example of this is like some, so-and-so loves to coach. They're pretty good at that. So I bring them on to coach and then I give them all this admin shit that I don't want to do that they're also not good at because it relieves me of time and, and stress and well perceived time and stress because I'm end up doing a lot of it anyway because I chose the wrong person. So you got to put people in the right seats. Um, and then even when you do put people in the right seats, this is something that I've probably like in the last year come to the conclusion of is that most people are not what I would describe as creators, meaning 
uh, an example would be you're going to be in charge of uh, media or this program. Very few people, in my experience, I can give them the task with little to no guidance and they will create everything on their own. Right? They'll create the SOPs, they'll create the procedures, they'll, 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 they'll run everything down, they'll do all of it, soup to nuts, done. So in that scenario, it, it, most people overlook that regardless if I've got the right person in the right seat, I still am on the hook to provide them all of the tools to be successful. Right? So think of a great coach who um, crushes it on the floor. Right? Everybody loves you know, everybody loves Cody, right? He's amazing. And they're like, Cody, what you need to do is if you want to make more money, you got to do more personal training. The end. Well, that's a shitty pitch, right? It's also terrible leadership from the standpoint of I have not given you the tools to do all the things that would be necessary to be successful at personal training. Like understanding like what would be in a good, uh, what would be a good assessment protocol to bring people in to do personal training? What is the anatomy of a good personal training session? What does that look like? What is the expectation for how we do personal training? Uh, what's an effective way to uh, create and write personal training programs? How do you market and communicate that service to other people? How do you do sales? You know, we just listed like five things there that most people who are pretty damn good on the floor actually don't know how to do which are more important, honestly, than doing the service because all of those things actually get the person to the service, right? So we just like, hey, you need, to, you need to just do more of it. And I'm like, okay, well, cool. How the hell do I do that, right? So that would be the other one. And then lastly um, is, you know, and I think this is a Simon Sinek book, which is, uh, no, I know it is, but I think the concept is in there, which is um, Leaders Eat Last. And understanding that most people, um, and this is a little bit of self-awareness, most people are not the same psychologically uh, or just with regard to how they view and assess risk as a true blue entrepreneur. So think about somebody who thrives in a, com in a commission-based scenario. They're super tolerant to risk and they're very confident in their skill set to just gather all of that stuff and do it together. Very, very few people fall in that bucket, right? Which is most of the people that you have in your, in your gem and staff. Like they're just not sales oriented people. They're not okay with, with being in a, in a scenario where like you only eat what you kill. Yep. So there, you have to take into account that like some, a lot of people are looking for a degree of safety or a degree of continuity where they have some sort of like at least baseline layer of, uh, financial uh, support, right? So I, I've done a lot of looking into and most financial institutions, if you're talking about like wealth management, if you're talking about new people that come into wealth management, most of the time they look like you have a base layer salary and then everything on top of that is commission-based. And then eventually what happens is as they get the skill set or they determine that they don't have the skill set and that just sorts itself out. But if they do get good at it and they understand how to service people and how sales work and all that stuff, then eventually that commission quickly outpaces what they were making baseline commission and they take them off of that and then they work on commission after that. I think it's a, I think it's a reasonable um, model to at least look at with regard to gyms. 
and, and with the understanding that nothing is forever, right? I can transition them out of that. So let's just say you gave somebody, we'll just make up numbers right off the top. Let's just make, let's just say you gave somebody a base salary of $2,000 a month, right? Or 24 K a year. And then every, and that, and that comes with minimal requirements. You got to teach this many classes. You got to do this much admin work. And then everything on top of that, they get paid an hourly rate. So it's a, it's a hybrid model. Well, that gives me some security that no, I'm, I'm going to get this done. Right. I can, I can reasonably hold this person accountable for that. Cause I'm like, I'm paying you $24,000 a year minimum. And then everything else on that, on top of that, you can make more. And then as this person potentially starts to build a book of business and do all of these other things, well, then I can rearrange that. I can either say, well, you're making boatloads of money off of this. You can do it this way. Uh, and that's fair for the amount of time that you're doing, or I could give them a pay raise for the baseline because maybe I move them up in the ladder and do it that way. Um, so that's a lot of what I'm looking at now because, you know, and this is, I don't know if it's unique to me, but I look at, I've got people that have been here a hot minute who have put in a lot of time who probably deserve a little bit more. Sure. Right now you'd have to factor that in like, can you afford it? Right? Like how does all that work? Um, now, if you're going to do that, I think it's worth having the conversation with anybody who can do that with, if we are going to do that, here's the expectation with regard to what your job is, but also here's the expectation with where the business needs to go in order for that to be sustainable long-term in order for me to continue to provide for you. So those are like the four things that I think, you know, I've gotten wrong many, 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 many times. Um, and have slowly kind of massaged into better versions of what we used to do. Cause you know, you and I've talked about this before. I've done everything really, really atrociously at some point along the way. So, um, that's me a lot. That's me kind of like flapping my gums, but based on that kind of like what questions specifically do you have or or specific scenarios you want to discuss or whatever, like where do you want to go based on that kind of like lead in? So I would ask because like, I'm, I'm a really big from, so my perspective as a gym owner is in like a, particularly a CrossFit gym owner is like, mm -hmm. we do a lot of personal training. We do a lot of, we have, you know, group classes, right? We've got a lot of members in group classes, but I'm a stickler of, about like delivering the service well because of Mike's and it's probably it's, a lot of it's biased around my experience coming up as a coach. So mm -hmm. I, I interned kind of like, I would even say more, I'm, I'm minted under this guy, Corey Worf, who owns Cross at Weddington for a couple of years. Okay. And it was back when I was like, you know, new coach, you know, didn't have a lot of responsibilities. I would just work out all the time, coach classes, and then just sit and watch him coach. I would mm -hmm. just spend all my time in his gym, watch him coach classes, just learn. So that's, and I didn't realize at the time, but at, what was happening is I was getting like this internship and this mentorship from this guy who had a, a you know, a successful CrossFit affiliate. And I ended up just putting myself in that position and then just absorbing everything. Right. So now to some degree, I have an expectation that someone that wants to come into my gym and coach, you know, at my gym and be a coach, I expect them to, and that's right. And, that, and that's where I've, I've fallen short for sure. Yep. Um, is expecting them to have some level of, of desire to improve as trainers, right? So this is tough. And this is a, this is almost like a weird conversation because there's multiple levels of this, but again, you have to understand that you're not normal. Sure. Right. Like you're not the norm. I mean, like most people 
love like like the idea of coaching but are not going to sit in the gym and take notes on somebody else's classes for hours on it like they don't actually love it like they they, they like the idea of it yeah and then we all myself included make this mistake that everybody should have this expectation everybody should love the business just as much as i do and uh, that's dumb it's not reality it's not reality. It's not there. Like, it's not even a reasonable thought. They, there's absolutely no reason that they, because they are, they are not going to, particularly in most case, case scenarios, not going to reap the rewards of, you know, doing all that because I, yeah. Right. Like I've, I've not set that up for that be for that to be the case for them to reap the rewards of the business being uh, successful. So, um, so in that scenario, we have to reframe our thinking about, how do we get this person? Because they don't know what they don't know. Yeah. And somewhere along, somewhere along the way, they probably not aware that they needed to sit and take notes. Right. Right. Like you did that because you have yeah. a, you have a competitive background and you're like, I'm going to analyze this. I'm going to break it down and I'm going to figure out how to do it. Just like a lot of athletes have that mindset. Like, well, how do I learn how to do this? Well, I'm going to watch this until my eyes bleed yeah. and I'm going to figure it out. A lot of people don't have that background, so they don't know any better, and they, they don't know what they don't know, and they don't know what to do. So this is something that you, as at least as a coach who develops, that you have to start to unpack when you start developing coaches. So there's a difference between I've told you what's wrong yeah. and I'm giving you the tools with which to correct it. They're totally different. And most everybody starts with, I'm telling you what's wrong, which is not the solution, right? It's if you're to break it down in very simple terms, it's saying, Hey, your knees are caving in. Okay. Thanks. Captain obvious. Uh, A better cue would be push your knees out or heels down. So give that direction. But now I have to take it and, and, and transfer that skill set over to coaching, which is rather than telling them that their wad brief was long, give them the answer to the problem. Hey, I, just speed up the intro just a little bit. Check these three boxes. If you're good on time, then elaborate. You know, yeah. walk through it this way to save yourself time, so you can get through it efficiently. Um, that's generally not how it starts, right? It starts by your wad brief is over. You got to shorten it up. I'm not helping them at all. I, I have to I have to give them the answers to the solution. So we have to think about spoon feeding people. And a lot of people are like, I shouldn't have to spoon feed people. Uh, okay, well then, good luck. You know, like, I, I don't know what to tell you. Like, if, you, if you're not going to give them the answers and you expect everybody to figure it out on their own, you're in for a long, hard life. I don't, I don't know what else to tell you. So, can I ask you a question? Um, sure. What's your – something that – so, I was listening to the Ackerman's podcast yesterday, and I'm still in the middle of it with um, – With uh, Lindsay? Lindsay, right, yep. yeah. Um, something that stuck out – I think it was her podcast. Something that stuck out to me that I've heard probably 100,000 times, and I just, for some reason, haven't clicked it into my coaches, but – this thought process behind like an emotional bank account. So one of the things I wrote down in my notes to you is like, and as I reflect, I realized like I've probably dropped the ball here is um, question one would be like, what is your thought on that with your coaches? And do you implement mm-hmm. that thought process? But then also secondary to that would be how much time do you spend with your coaches outside of the gym? Because in retrospect, I think that I have done a poor job of fostering a relationship with, with anyone that coaches in my gym outside of the gym Mm -hmm. and it starts off with warm and fuzzies and good intentions. And then it turns into boss employee Mm -hmm. and just raining down expectations of how to be a better coach and like trying to let them and trying to like come in and shadow them and like develop them and have them shadow me. And like I've paid for a lot of hours of coach development with a head coach where that's like, it's basically like a level two. Right. Mm -hmm. And 
but I'm but one thing I haven't done a very good job of is I think being just hanging out with my coaches as like friends and then making and making deposits into this emotional bank account where it's like hey if Cody wants to help me be a better coach that he can deliver a better service to the members so the members stay longer mm -hmm. so he can keep paying me for my salary right yep which is that's the only intention is like I'm trying to make, make sure members continue to come in and don't text me asking about when I'm going to coach a class. Yeah. I want them to stay so I can keep paying you to do your mm -hmm. job. But whenever I try to deliver this development, I feel like it's, I'm just, am I making withdrawals and I'm, and then do you actually pursue making deposits? Like, is that something that you practice? Got it. So the, the answer is yes. And just like everything else, I've, I've gotten this wrong many, many, many ways. So I think the first mistake that people make myself included is that, uh, confusing investing dollars into somebody's personal development is the same thing as investing emotional equity. They are not at all the same. Uh, and there, it's not even, it's not even a remotely close kind of like correlation. It doesn't matter. A lot of people don't give a shit if you pay for their cert. Some people do. They're just like, Oh, this is, this is really great. I really appreciate it. Um, if they do fantastic, good for you, but that shouldn't be the expectation. Yeah. Um, because some degree you have to understand that like some people expect you to do that. Right. So you're, you might be butted up against that where like, if you don't, then they're like, what the fuck? You know? yeah, right. Um, so I also think that the, in, in that same breath, you have to understand that being friends with them also doesn't correlate to them or to depositing into that emotional bank account. Right. So this goes back to the safety thing that I meant, uh, referenced earlier. Like they need to feel safe. Um, we could be friends and you could also not feel that I truly care for you. Right. And simultaneously we could not hang out a ton and you could feel like I truly care about your well being. Right. So I think you have to shift away from that and then shift a little bit more towards like, do they feel cared for? Probably like regardless, regardless of how much time we spend outside of the gym, it, it's like, it's no different than I've been coaching an affiliate for five years, right? And they show up to level two and they're awful. And we basically have to come to the conclusion that those five years were not very useful. So that, that time uh, doesn't necessarily mean anything. Like it needs to be meaningful. You know, for instance, like pulling somebody into the side and saying, do you need anything from me? What can I help you with? what's going on. I've, you know, like I've noticed that something's going on with you and you're not the normal Cody, whatever I'm giving an example. Those are the deposits, right? Like just regularly walking by and be like, do you need anything from me? What do you need? Do you need me to help in this class? You need me to pick up the shit for you? Like, what do you need? So I think you have to uh, approach it a little bit more from the sense of service. Yeah. You work for them and need to and nobody does this perfectly. I don't do this perfectly, but it should be on the forefront of your mind. Like, what can I do for you? I mean, you know, I haven't read his book, but I know Chris is help first, right? Like, yeah, for sure. Yeah, yeah. Um, but that's the basic premise if I was to guess. Um, so just regularly ask them what they need and continue to provide resources for them. You'll, and then, and, and provide resources in the sense that they're usable resources rather than like, Hey, read this article to help you coach classes. Well, read the article, tell them why it's going to help them uh, coach classes, and then show them how to use it 
to go help them coach classes or like give them all of the steps right, so that I don't confuse some of those people for creators and doers because they're not. They're kind of those like, here, where's my task list? I do my task list. And that's fine. Like there's nothing wrong with that. But over time, you'll figure out who those people are and who they're not. Right. And, and then I can give somebody up here. Okay. Okay. You're the type of person where I can allow you to make decisions, right? Like here's the thing. If something happens, I'm okay with you making a decision and tell me what you did because you've proven to be that person. Other people don't want to make decisions. Be like, listen, if this, then that, and that's how you do it. Anything past that, bump it up to me. Um, so that's the first thing is they need to feel cared for. Um, and you need to back them up on, you know, different things. Like if somebody comes to you uh, complaining about a coach, you know, listen to the person and then maybe defend the coach. If the coach is right, like, listen, be like, hey, the, the coach is actually right in that scenario. Here's why. I hear what you're saying. We'll get it sorted out. But I think there's a mix up in communication because the coach is doing what I asked them to do. So we're not going to poo-poo on coach Bobby or whoever. They were, they were doing as instructed. Right. And then, and then just be in their defense in a lot of those things. So that is, that is, and then figuring out like just sitting down and, and just asking people like, what do you want? Right. Like, what do you want? Do you want to do this for a living? Do you just like working out? And then I can manage the relationship appropriately. And, and, and that changes over time. So the other mistake I've made is like, we have the conversation, we start to tee that up. And then I don't do a follow on at some interval later on to just check in to make sure, is that still what you want? You know, because I mean, because how old are you? 27. 27. Yeah. Uh, I'm willing to bet that at 35, what you want is going to be different than what you want at 27. Yeah. Right. So you, so you have to know that, like, what do you want? You know, because um, that will change over time. So I think those just continual check-ins and then, you know, um, investing in them, not just money, but time and emotion. Just be like, what, what do you want, dude? Like, can I help you out? Like, do you need some time off? Like, like what, Right. you know, do you, do you want me to watch more of your classes? Like just keep, keep pulling on the string until you get like what it is that they want. Uh, Cause they all want something different. Yeah. That makes sense. What else? Can I ask what your internship process is like? Sure. It's, um, it's morphed over time and it's probably going to change here in the next 12 months. Um, so we had one in place for a long time that was, you know, roughly three months long if they made it through on time. And then I realized that we needed an alternative internship process for people who were kind of like higher ready, meaning like they probably good enough, uh, but there still needs to be some sort of filtering process there. So the, I don't know anything process looks like, um, anything between 90 days to six months is kind of, it's kind of like at your own pace. If you haven't have got through it in six months, I'm probably just going to chop you out of the internship because you're not, you're just not at all self-starter. Yeah. So it kind of looks like I'm just assessing for, are you a turd? Uh, do you uh, do the little things? Do you help clean up? Do you change the laundry out? Do you take the trash out? Like, do you interact with the members? Are you, do you understand where you are in the hierarchy. Do you understand that right now your job is to just shut up and listen? And then after that, we start working on the skill set. So I'm always filtering first for just personality and a, a match for the team. Then after that, then I'm kind of looking for, okay, what is your 
what are your kind of gross skill sets? Like, do you understand timeline? Do you understand group management? What is your ability to do public speaking without diving too far into the weeds on the technical aspect of coaching? Cause that comes last because it takes the longest, but I need to have those things ironed out first. Like, do I like you? Do you have the general characteristics that would lend itself to being a good coach? Cause if you don't have either one of those, then it, we just chop it first. Like it didn't matter what I teach you about the progressions or looking at movement and stuff. It's irrelevant. And then we get into the nitty gritty about like running small groups, you know, running through the progressions, um, doing all of those things so that um, we can actually get your skill set honed as we go through that way. So like how many hours and during that initial part where you're just like filtering their personality mm -hmm. and if they fit, like are they just there when your coaching class is just shadowing you and just listening and learning and then interacting with members like as like a just like a like a floater and yeah. and then if they're there and that's the expectation fantastic and then is it five hours of that is it 10 hours of that is it 20 hours of that and like so it's and, a minimum of 10 but we tell people like you should push towards 30 okay and then yeah. and they're just they're present with you listening learning interacting not coaching yep. necessarily. you know i kind of want to see the. i kind of want to see if they're if they're a little bit proactive like do they come over to me and say do you need anything what do you need I'm like, okay, cool. I'm like, you, I'm like, okay, you get it. Like you're a, you're a, a team player here. Yeah. Um, and, uh, and they're, and also, I'm also seeing if they are, have the wherewithal to understand that they're not actually interviewing with me. Yeah. They're actually interviewing with the team and the members. Yeah. Cause that could be a bad one, right? Where they just like, they just interview with the boss and everybody else fucking hates them. Yeah. But if the boss isn't paying attention, you don't know that like, oh, this guy's great. And they're like, no, he's had his nose up your ass for 90 days. Like, and you think he's amazing, but everybody else hates his guts. Yeah. So you just have to have a little bit of self-awareness there as the boss to kind of like back out a little bit and, you know, just watch their interaction with other people. Cool. I haven't done that before. I haven't tried that. Yeah. Just watch people like just just, just generally watch them, like not necessarily in a class setting, like when they're walking around the gym, when they're, act, when they're, when they're, when they're interacting with people, like what is their interaction? Like, do they understand that they're about to be a leader slash professional in this community? Or are they a jokester who's always making inappropriate jokes because they, they look at this as like a, a place of recreation, you know, that that's a tough one. Right. If they don't, re if they don't realize they're about to step into a, a, a space of responsibility, that can be troubling, you know? Yeah. So what else? Those are my big two like, that, that stuck out. Like um, three, I guess was the emotional bank account, like how much quality time you spend outside of the gym. And then like your internship process, uh, because in the past, it's always been like an interview. If they, if they weren't, if it wasn't someone I knew, there was an interview. And then after the interview, it was kind of just like a non-structured entry. But mm -hmm. in retrospect, like I did, I have not in the past done a good job of like emotional investment into people. Mm -hmm. Maybe I thought I was in its time, but I, I, in retrospect, I don't think I was. Well, I mean, it's worth it's worth saying that like some of that emotional investment the ability to do so comes with age. And I know that sounds like, well, when you're older and you're wiser, like that's not how I want it to sound, but you, you, you only know and you've only experienced what you've experienced, you know? So I like, I have almost zero original thoughts. Um, and most of my leadership 
tactics slash techniques have come from the myriad of leaders that I've been under over the years, you know, like uh, in sports, in the Naval Academy, at, in the military, in the nonprofit world, in the CrossFit HQ. And I just steal and I beg and I borrow and I'm from all of them. And I'm like, oh, I'm like, these are the people that I want to emulate. And then I just try to be them um, and then take those tools uh, and try to utilize them as best I can. Uh, no different than watching a, a coach who crushes a class and then just try to replicate that. Um, I would tell you that some of that stuff needs to be systematic, you know, like, are you, so I, some things that I think help, which is like, I send a Sunday rundown to the staff every Sunday about just stuff. Cause one of the things you can lose a lot of that equity is they feel out of the loop, right? Like they don't feel communicated to. So like the first thing is like, you have to communicate them on a very systematic, regular basis, and then have to do multiple additional touch points every time I see them. What's up? How you doing? Do you need anything from me? Like, I think that's a, a question every leader should ask 12 times a day. What do you need from me? Anything? Nothing? Okay, cool. But like they, cause you're going to have to ask it 4,000 times before people actually think that they can ask you for something. Right. Right. Like that's not a joke. You're going to have to ask it for three years yeah. before they're just like, oh, he legit wants to know if I need anything. Yeah. And now I'm going to ask, but you have to ask it over and over and over and over and over. Um, I've tried a different ways in the past where I try to sit down with everybody once a month, but not everybody wants to sit down once a month. Yeah, so that. yeah, you know, you, you try to do that and then, and maybe you just ask them be like, how, how frequently would these be beneficial for you? Yeah. And they're just like once a year. And I'm like, okay. Or somebody might be like, can we do this once a week? And I'm like, maybe not once a week, but like, just tell me what you need and I'll work from there. Um, you know, so it, to some degree you have to, you know, to steal a quote from Gary Vee, you have to figure out how to scale the unscalable figure out like how do I how do I maximize these these one-on-one -on -one interactions as best as possible some of it has to be on regular scheduled interactions and some of it I just have to be cognizant of it like I need to I need to deposit right now like right now would be a good time to deposit based on where they're at um, and then just being you know what 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 a lot of people would describe as like having high EQ like just yeah. emotional um, yeah, it's like, it's like, like high empathetic, you know, high high empathy, if you will. Yeah. Emotional intelligence. Yeah. A lot of my empathy goes towards my members, but I haven't done a good job at that. I don't think of. Yeah, I mean, it's it's worth at least evaluating that. Like, you know, some people, it's like it's got to be all about the members, and uh, there's at least there. I think there should be at least some tension between the idea that, like, actually, where all of your empathy should go is to your staff. You know, exactly. and, and that should be who all of your effort goes to because they then will in turn take that and move it to the members. So that is the concept of e-myth, pushing that through the team right. and doing it that way. Now, that doesn't mean you get to remove yourself. You, you're on the hook all the time. You have to do all of that. You just may have to do a little bit less of it once you've created safety, set the expectation, put people in the right seats and given them the tools now I get to pick and choose where I put all of my empathy into the, the members, but it first has to go into my team. And I try to provide as much of those four things as humanly possible. Um, and it's not easy. It takes a long time. You're going to get it wrong most of the time and you're going to have to reinvent it over and over and over and over and over, you know, and it's just one of those things. And then eventually you start to level up and you can backfill and just make sure you backfill with this, with the, somebody who understands that they now have that some of that responsibility, not all of it, but you, cause most of us are not talking about scaling up to a, a you know, a 5,000 person corporation. You're talking about like a really big CrossFit gym, gym would have 15 to 20 coaches who are making a decent living. You know, that would, that would be like 
fallen. So, so, um, you know, those are the big things. And those are the big things in my eyes that I've gotten wrong, you know, that would have helped me tremendously, you know, like set clear expectations verbally and in writing. Make sure you ask people like, what do you enjoy? Do you like spreadsheets? Do you not like spreadsheets? Do you hate doing the schedule? Like all, like, do you like social media? Do you give a shit? Like, are you okay with me saying that's a shitty job? You know, like you got to have those conversations like you would with your spouse. Um, you know, and then say, okay, here's your job. Here's exactly how you're going to do the job. Here's all the tools to do the job, right? Like here's the calendar. Here's how you're going to get prompted. Here's the templates you're going to use on the, these days we're going to do together. We're going to do this. So like if you use uh, social media, for example, like we're going to shoot content on this day and then you're going to send it off. They're going to edit it. They're going to send it back and then you're going to post it according to this schedule. If you need something from me outside that, just ask, I'll let you know. But that way I'm not giving this person be like social media. And they're just like, I don't, I don't know how that works, you know, um, and then trying to, as, as you are capable of doing so, trying to develop and input those safety nets that give them some sense of security within the system. You're like, well, I'm, I know I, I'm not working solely off commission, so I have a super shitty month. I'm not getting paid any money or like whatever, um, you know, less risk. Yeah. Cause not everybody can deal with that. Like there's most people are not cool with that they're just like i just want to make this amount of money and some people like you and i are like that's dumb that's not how the world works but a lot of people that is how the world works they're just like no no i go i get a job and i get paid amount of money and that's how it works so you just have to be empathetic to like that is a thought process of how it works so thanks man that's helpful yeah i mean is this helpful yeah man yeah no it's just like I think that I've had this big paradigm for a long time, or at least for the past couple of years, this has been centered around like systemize everything, put SOPs in place, put a person in a seat, make sure that it's the right seat and then give them the systems and then just like, good luck. And something my mentors helped me understand the past six months is like, it was like I was a leader and there was like, people were following me and then all of a sudden a leader left the room and they just started wandering in circles. And then- yeah, there's, there's this, uh, and, I, and I actually see it happening now. So Ackerman did a podcast with, uh, oh God, his name is blank me, when they talked about the, the SOPs the other day. Yeah. Um, so people have been bombarding us about getting that SOPs. And for oh, the life of me, I can, um, yeah, for the life of me, I can't remember the name, but um, that's a fallacy. Who was that? Yeah, I don't know. Um, Ken Andrew? No. Uh, no just worth pulling up um, but that's a fallacy that's a myth is that oh i have this beautifully written sop and uh is it james james jameson price yeah i, I remember listening to that podcast i just couldn't find it when i was yeah out. i'm pretty sure it's james yeah yeah jameson price so uh episode 275 yeah. which, is, which is weird to think about by the way but um so yeah that's a myth is that i just write this thing and i'm like all of our problems are solved and i'm like never nope. that's not how it works yeah that the second you finish that it's almost immediately obsolete. Like, yeah, it's way more fluid than that. You know, it's way more fluid than that. So it's a constant like tweaking and tuning, you know, like a, like a high end race car. Like it's not like we got maintenance. We're good. <laughs> like it's not how it works. That's not how it works. So, um, yeah. people, a- yeah. So you say, cause people what? Because, uh, because people change and they go through seasons of their life and they go through stuff, shit, life, right? Like, and then you have to adjust for that, right? Like you have to, you know, what they're going through now needs to be taken into account. Like they're people, they're not, they're not like cogs in a wheel. They're people that are going through life stuff, 
which everybody's experiencing right now. Yeah. You know, so you have, you have to treat it as such um, and figure out like what it is that they want. You know, you're, you know, the reality is like, if you're going to do business well and something like this, like you're a servant, you know, you're a servant to your members and you're also a servant to your staff, you know, with the awareness that like, Hey, the, all of doing all of this will in turn serve me. Like that's where you can't be the martyr. You know, I talked about this on a previous episode, but like you, you can't, you, you, you should be equally cognizant of both. They don't have to be at odds. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. So. That was, yeah, that was like last year. I was very much martyring myself to have a full-time staff. And now it's, there's no staff and it's me and my fiance, but we're in like, you know, but now it's like, okay, where's that middle ground? And I think that I have an opportunity now to find that middle ground and more heavily leverage like my empathy towards my team mm-hmm. and, and build some trust. And that's yeah. what I, I, that's, I miss the mark. And, and worth sitting down, and it's probably a good place to kind of like wrap up, but worth sitting, worth sitting down and saying like, and, and then, and I've talked about this before too, is like casting the vision and make sure that your, that their vision fits with inside your vision. Because if it doesn't, there's a serious issue there. Long-term, we could probably predict that it wouldn't work out. Like, here's what I'm looking at for the business and for coaching, and here's what I want to drive to. And then you write out your vision and be like, does this fit nicely in here? Can we, can we tweak it so that we're both pushing towards the same thing and you get what you need and want and I get what I need and want and they get what they need and want and the business gets what it needs and wants. That's it, dude. Vision casting. That's a tough one. I'm, I'm, there's very few people that are good in that, in my, in my opinion, uh, and, and I am not one of them. So, Same. Thanks, Jason. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely, bro. Um, if you guys got questions about any of this stuff, obviously DM us, you know, like uh, I've had this conversation with uh, people pretty regularly that uh, most of the time now, the when people come in with DMs, I'm like, let's just do a podcast. Otherwise, I'm going to have this conversation 87 times, which I'm happy to do, but it, that's not sharing. Like I want to share these conversations because they're, they're relevant and everybody's going through it. And again, me being inside the affiliate every day, I'm painfully aware of it. Like the, it's, it's happening and I've been, and if I'm not there now, I've been there or I will be there at some point. So hope yeah. this helps hit us up. Uh, thanks for your time, Cody. I hope, I hope this is beneficial, man. And this wasn't just like me, you know, running my suck. It really, it really is. It gives me some framework for making an internship process. That'll be a value. And, um, it gives me, it makes me excited to find a potential intern and then, fix what I've messed up a lot in the past couple of years. So just keep working at it, bro. Just a constant <laughs> tinkering process. So absolutely. That's the fun part. All right, brother. I'll see you soon. Thanks, bro. All right, man. Take it easy. Thanks again for listening to best hour of their day. If you haven't already do us a favor, head over to the Apple podcast app and leave us a review. We'd love to hear from you. If you have any questions, comments, concerns, feedback for either Fern or myself, hit us up, best hour of their day at gmail.com or send us a DM over on Instagram at best hour of their day. Once again, we couldn't do this without the amazing community, and you are a part of it. Thanks for listening. Thanks for supporting, best hour of their day.